Welcome to the Foundational Healing Deliverance Prayer Ministry Podcast, where you will learn strategic spiritual warfare. Yeah, I heard about the 21 Coptic Christians. If you have questions or comments, call us at 484 or email us at fhdprayerministry at gmail.com. I pray Let's we can learn from our persecuted brothers and sisters across the globe. That's been happening around us. around us Jesus told us that it would happen Don't be surprised huh? With tears in our eyes Even though they surround us, surround us. The kingdom of heaven is ours God, he will crown us Somalia and Libya Might have prison and bomb us We've been a victim of terrorism For telling Jesus is alive To the 21 cop the Christians Kneeling down on that cold beach Soon as they blooded the seas, they were then present with God. If we suffer with them, we gon' rain. To be absent from the body means I'm present with the king. Yeah. To the persecuted church around the globe, remember, remember, the gates of hell won't prevail. Can't stop from no church. He gon' build this church. He gon' build this church. The global reality of persecution, I break, it never breaks us. Then it would never shake Then we would lay down our lives. God bless you, people of God. I'm not gonna um hold you guys up but back by popular demand Pastor Jeremy Jackson um, who's responsible the brains behind debt shut up (laughs) (laughs) and guess what the man of God creativity has not stopped (laughs) so Pastor look you know my story I've been ripping and running the people of God, they're familiar with you. I'm familiar uh, familiar with you. So you can lead us in prayer, and you do you. You got as much, right. much time as you as you like. All right. Sounds great. Sounds great. People of God, good to, see, uh, good to hear from you again. Again, my name is Pastor Jeremy Jackson, pastor of Mark Generation Outreach, and I am just excited for the opportunity to be able to be on the broadcast. Let's just open up with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be together on this day, on this Independence Day. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the words to say today to your people. I ask, Lord, that you just bless your people, allow them to hear something that will resonate in their lives, that will change their lives forever. And I thank you for um, keeping us safe and keeping us on focus on what our destiny is. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Again, I am so excited to be back. It is thrilling, thrilling, thrilling. My brother has allowed me to come back and just share what God has placed on my heart. Um, 
it's interesting because the design that I made that's on the actual flyer that you all may have seen was um, actually God-given. And it reminded me that God was really my father. A lot of times we uh, hear about baby daddies and hear about um, children not knowing who their father is. And it was interesting that God said to me, the test results are in. Calvary's DNA proves that God is your father. And it's interesting because the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for our sins dictates or gives the bloodline of who we come from. If we're born again in Jesus' blood and baptized in our mindset, then we become children of the Most High God. We become part of a kingdom. And um, I just wanted to share with you all in reference to the father aspect of a relationship, a father-son relationship. A lot of times we are hard on fathers in our society. We um, give them child support and different other aspects of having to take care of their children. And we take it away from them as far as making the choice to be a father. And we force them to be a caregiver. And it's a difference in being a caregiver and being a father. And um, I'm reminded of the story in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 through uh, 32. It talks about the parable of the lost son talks about the parable of the lost son and it's interesting in this passage um i want to read uh some of it so that we can get some understanding and as i read i'm going to break down the passage in regards to a relationship between a father and the son and i just want you to meditate on these words and meditate on what we're going to be talking about today it says then he said and this is jesus speaking a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. I'm going to stop right there. It's interesting that it says a certain man. A certain man. I looked up the definition of certain, and it was interesting, the definition I got, Paul. It was interesting, Brother Paul. It says, transparent, established beyond doubt. That's very interesting to me, uh, people of God, that it would say that it's an established person or man beyond doubt. And this individual, this father, had to be of someone of substance, somebody that was wealthy, somebody that had something, uh, because it says that the younger son of the two sons said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, meaning give me my inheritance. How many times have we heard our, our, our children ask for things and ask for their inheritance and want to engage in things that they're not yet ready for? And it says to me that the father said, so he, it says, so he divided to them his livelihood. He gave it to them. He gave what he asked for. And not many days after, verse 13, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, 
and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And it's interesting in this passage in verse 13 where it says that the younger of them, not the oldest, but the younger of the two sons, he gathered what he was given. So that means he gave also to the older son his inheritance. A lot of times we don't teach that. But he gave both of them their, their portion of their inheritance. It was a third of their inheritance. In Jewish customs, the father was allowed to give a third of the inheritance to his offspring that would carry on his name and carry on his wealth long after he was dead and gone. He didn't have to wait until he was particularly dead. But if the, if the child or the father deemed it worthy to give it to the son, he would give it to them. How many times has God given us things that we have not deserved? How many times have we given our children things that they did not deserve? But we trust that the training that we've given them will be instilled in them and carry them through the process that God has them on. And it says that he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. How many times have we, in our younger days, in our, in, in, in our uh, living, where we were prodigal with our living, meaning we wasted away what we were giving? We might have had some money that was left to us, or we might have gone out and lived the way we wanted to live, living in the streets or uh, having sex outside of marriage or taking on drugs or whatever we may have indulged in, we indulged in it with uh, happiness and joy, not understanding that soon there will be something that comes forth. And you see that in verse 14. It says, but when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And it's interesting to say in that land, the famine did not affect his father's house. It affected the far country that he had went to. How many times do we leave our Father, leave our Heavenly Father, and try to escape His very presence, try to escape His very name, try to establish our own name in our own right, in our own way? I've talked about it before. We try to create our own brand. We try to make our own mark on the world, not realizing that God has already created us to have a brand, which is His brand. And if we're in relationship with him, if we're in covenant with him, then we will understand that we carry that very name. When God created Adam, he gave him certain uh, uh, commandments to abide by. He told him to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and subdue. So he gave him so many things that he could be able to do on earth. He gave him authority. And the same with this father. He gave him his inheritance. But the funny thing about it is, he didn't tell the son what to do. Neither one of them what to do with it. One of the sons left home. The other one stayed. And a lot of times, we want to stay in the, in the, in the presence of God, but we don't understand that if we don't go out into life, we will not understand what it really means to have a testimony. And we're going to see that later on in the actual uh, text. Then it says, Then he went and joined himself, verse 15, to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now this is interesting to me because I did an in-depth study of this. 
and Jewish customs were that you did not eat pork, that you didn't even go around pork. Pork or swine was seen as unclean. So for him to undertake this job, as far as it's saying joining himself to a citizen of that country, meaning it was not anybody that he grew up with, it wasn't anybody that he traveled in the same circle with. His father had a kingdom. His father had an empire. His father had servants. But yet and still, he had connected himself with people that he was not used to being connected to. How many times have we connected ourselves with people that we're not used to or that God does not, uh, does not want us to be around? We indulge ourselves in these things because the famine has come in our lives. So what do we start doing? We start listening to what these people say about us. We start hearing how they're saying that you're a bad father. We start hearing that they're saying that you don't know how to spend time with your child. We start hearing that they're saying, oh, you don't know how to discipline your child. You don't even want to spend time with them. We start listening to those things, except for uh, instead of listening to what our Heavenly Father says about us as fathers. I'm a father of five children. I have five children. I have twin boys out of wedlock, and I have three other children, two, two, uh, one boy and two girls in marriage. So I have a blended family. And in that blended family, I've experienced so many challenges every single day. From spending time with my children, from providing for my children, from balancing my marriage life, my, my, my fatherhood life, as well as my, my individual life, ministerial life, all these different things come into play every single day of my life. And it's a challenge. Do I have it all together? No, I do not. I pay child support. I have so many other different things that I experience every day in life. And so many fathers out there experience the same thing. There's not a book out there that can just tell you exactly how to be a great father. The only book that you can read and learn of testimonies is the, is the word of God and listening to your fellow man, your fellow brother. So be encouraged today, and I want to share with you this. It says, and uh, it says, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So it's interesting, in his father's house, he had food, he had provision, even with his brother. They were both raised in the same house. Now he finds himself among people that don't care about him, that have given him a job. How many people work on a job that don't care about you? You're undervalued. You're underpaid. But yet and still, somehow, some way, they expect you to use that provision that you get from that job to pay to support your family. How many know that without God, you cannot provide for your family? Without God, you cannot be able to sustain their very needs. I've seen so many people make hundreds of thousands of dollars, but yet and still do not know how to provide for their family because they believe that provision for their family is paying rent and food. And it's more than that. It's a condition of the heart, and it's a desire to find ways to give your family 
even uh, things, even when you cannot financially support them. Financially supporting them is only one aspect of being a great father. You have to be there for them, spend time with them, share with them, teach them. You have to teach them. And yet it's still, here we see that his very friends that he had yoked with didn't care about him, didn't want to give him anything to eat, didn't want to give him provisions that he needed for his, to sustain his life. And it says in verse 17, but when I came to my, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Let's stop right there. We see in verse 17 that the son is recognizing some things. His mindset has now been changed. He had to change his mindset because he found himself a king's child, a king's lineage, eating or wanting to eat among the swine among the citizens that did not have royal bloodline. How many times do we settle for mediocre? Do we settle for average? Do we settle that we can't get that job because we don't have a, a high school diploma or a college degree or a certification? How many times do we say, oh, I can't provide because I can't find a good job for my family or for my child? That's no excuse. Again, like I said before, God created us to produce, to reproduce, to distribute, and to dominate. Production is not valued only by what resources you have. Poverty is nothing more than a lack of creativity. It is not a lack of resources. Because God gave us the resources, which is the earth. And he told us to produce. Well, I know you're saying, Pastor Jeremy, what does that really look like? What does that really mean? Well, let me give you an example of that. When God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the earth and all the things in it, he created man, but even in creating man, he created in the tree a building. He created in the tree a chair. He created in the metal, the precious metals, all these other things, buildings and different things to that nature. He created those things in that. It was man's job and responsibility to cultivate it, to create out of raw materials. God provided raw materials for us to be able to dominate in the earth. He said, produce the product that I placed inside of you. Produce the product. Be my will on the earth. And that's what we're supposed to be in our family's lives. We're supposed to be the will of God in our family's lives, to our children, to our wives, to those that we deal with on a regular basis. If you're in a blended family, you're supposed to be the example to even the other parent, to that mother of that child. Show some consistency. You say you're going to go pick them up, go pick them up. If you're not going to go pick them up, don't tell them that you're going to be there and don't be there for them. Children listen to consistency. They respond to consistency. So let's be better fathers 
and doing what we have the control to do, what God has purposed in us to do. And so we also see in verse 18 where he says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. So he recognized that it was heaven, first of all, that he sinned before. His heavenly father was the first person that he sinned before. The second father that he sinned to was his father. He did not represent his name well. How many of you all know that the DNA that's in you from your earthly father is something that you can never change? You can never change where you come from. You can never change uh, 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 who is your father or who is your mother. The only thing you have the ability to change is what you do each and every day. How you actually look at it and analyze it and your perception of it and that determines your action of what you're going to follow through on it. Are you going to respond or are you going to react? Too many times we, we as fathers react. We say, well, my father wasn't there for me. Well, I don't feel like my father showed me enough attention. So we punish our children because we didn't get something in life. Can I tell you? Just because you didn't get that attention, let's learn to show that attention where you didn't get it. Your children deserve better. And the blueprint of a great father has been set before you. Just do the opposite of what you saw your father do. Rather than doing the exact, uh, uh, the exact dealings of what he did. You become what you hate. A lot of times fathers look at their sons and they see themselves. Generational curses that they didn't deal with in their past, that their fathers didn't deal with in their past. So consequently, your son or your children are dealing with those same issues. People of God, men especially, we have the ability to change our very family's destiny. It lies within us. God is not waiting for the woman. He's waiting for the man to be what he's called him to be in the earth. So it's your job as a man of God to determine what you're going to do. Because God has already purposed it in your heart. So what you have a felony on your record. So what you come from uh, the prison system. You still have the ability to dominate in the earth by starting your own business. By starting your own craft. Ask God for witty ideas. Ask God for where he wants you to go. If you put God first, he will show you your destiny. He will show you what you're supposed to do. And that's exactly what this young man did. He decided in his heart, I have to repent. I have to change my mindset. I have to change everything that I know. I have to go back to it. Because under my father's roof, under my father's name, I had something. I represented something greater than myself. You got to represent something greater than yourself. And it says, in uh, verse 19, And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That's what he said to his father. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father said, saw him 
and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. How much affection have you showed your child? How much affection have you really showed your child? That's a question that you have to ask yourself. Because in this, we see that the, the son came with the mindset of what he was going to say. He said what he had to say, but did not get an opportunity to fully disclose what he had learned in his process. The father saw him from a great distance off and already knew that he had learned his lesson. It wasn't that the son was independent that was the problem. The problem was that he was not living what his father had taught him. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. We have a, 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 a responsibility as fathers to train our children up to live a life like Second Corinthians three two and three two through three talks about. We have to exemplify a good life, a good life. Jesus talks about a being having a good life before your children. So we have to be the first teachers in our children's lives. Most times parents don't even have but maybe five hours out of a day in a child's life, if that. They have time to be able to send them off to school. They have time to be able to eat with them if they do eat at the table. And then they have time to watch, maybe watch some TV before they go to bed. Some parents don't even have that much time with their children. So that goes to show the rest of the time period, if we do have five hours with our children, 21 hours of the rest, uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 20, um, what is it, 19 hours of the actual rest of the day is designated to someone else influencing your child. You have to ask yourself the question, is your influence of those five hours powerful enough, strong enough to set a foundation for that child's life? to have their own personal relationship with God and to know God for themselves and learn how to walk by faith and not by sight? Have you been teaching that to your child or have you been trying to live your life through your child? Have you been trying to get that child to play football or basketball or some other type of sport because you used to play it back in the day and didn't go pro or didn't go to college? Your child may not be destined for college. Your child might go a different pathway. We all have our own process. We all have our own way of going. Your job as a father is to see that child for who they are, their potential, and what God wants them to be in their lives. If you sit down and be, and be a, a real father and listen to your child, you would see their aspirations. This father knew what his son wanted. He knew his son wanted the wanted all of his inheritance. He knew that his son wanted out of the uh, out of his uh, father's household. He knew that his son wanted to experience the world like we all did. The other son was up under his son, uh, his father. He didn't want to experience the world. He was content with his father's house. He was a daddy's boy. He didn't want to go nowhere else. He pleased his father in everything. And too many times we cater or program our children to please us. And that is not what you're supposed to be as a father. 
Your job as a father, when that child comes out of the womb, your job as a father is from that day forward, every day, teaching that child how to become independent of you and more dependent on God. Every single day of their lives to the day they leave your house. To, to build a level of faith in that child that they can water and develop into a force that will be contagious to everybody that they come in contact with. That, that young man didn't know how to, to activate the influence in his life. He had influence. However, he influenced them in the wrong way. When the storm and the test and the trial came to his influence, he was not able to sustain himself. See, he learned that his father was able to build an empire, but he forgot to learn how to sustain one. We have to teach our children how to sustain themselves in faith. Sustain themselves in a life of, of where there's a, um, a, a contingency of uh, stereotyping uh, men, period, in society. There's a jailhouse. Of so many men that can't pay child support, that want to pay child support, that want to be there for their children. Some of them have been there for their children, but yet and still, the state still wants them to provide child support on top of what they already provided for their children. So what does that say to you? Are we really, is the state or the government really wanting us to be fathers? Or are they just wanting us to see our children as bills? Or for us to be a caretaker over them, but never instill nothing inside of them. A father instills characteristics, justification. That's what God does to you. He instills his characteristics inside of you. Though you fight him, though you run from him, though you, though you go to far off countries and run from him, he still loves you, and he's still waiting for you to turn around. It's so funny. We can run from God so far, miles and miles and miles away, not realizing all it takes for us to do to come back to him is turn around, and he's right there behind us. He's not even a step away from us. He's right there, right there waiting with open arms. And we see that in this text here. The father had compassion on him. Showed affection by hugging him and kissing him and showing that he was accepted and showing that he was never rejected. Too many times we don't understand that our children feel like they have been rejected by us because they don't know why daddy left. They don't know why daddy hasn't been around. I've experienced that with my own children. They don't know why daddy left. They don't know why you experienced that. And the mother hasn't said anything bad about them or the father. It's just things have taken place in their lives. And no consistency has happened in their lives. So now they have questions. And we as fathers have to have compassion on them and understand that they deserve some answers. Even when that we don't know the answers, we have to say, Son, I don't know the answer, but let's find out the answer together. Daughter, let's find out the answer together. I love you. A father is the first mentor, the first teacher that a son should ever have in his life. 
He should be the inspiration in that son's life to want to be a great man. For a daughter, a father, is the example of love that a man should give to her. Should show her each and every day. Not just by affection, by living it before her. Doing more than just buying her whatever she wants. But teaching her how to appreciate it. Teaching her how to respect a man. Because men don't want love. We want respect. And respect is earned. We have to remember that. The respect of this young man's father's name allowed him to be a certain man. A well-established man. Beyond doubt. There was no doubt that this man was a wealthy man. He was an established man. He, he was a great man. And the son thought that he could be just as great as his father without doing the process. But how many of you all know that God will take you through your process even when you don't want to go through it? You can stay in the cycle like this young man did. He created a cycle for himself. He squandered all his money. He joined himself with people that were not like-minded, that had, didn't have his best interests in heart. And then, two, he lost his mind. He lost his mind. So much so that he was in a state of depression. A state of depression. Being among swine. So many times I've experienced depression myself. I've experienced where I felt rejected. I felt like I wasn't worthy enough. Matter of fact, two days ago, I felt that very, that, that very feeling. The emotional wear and tear on my life of pressure, of bills, of supporting my family, of being a pastor, wore on me to the point where I was ready to give up. I was ready to throw in the towel, but yet and still... God reminded me of who I was. Just as he reminded this young man of who he was. He reminded him of who he was. And this young man got the strength to get back up and go back to his father and restart his journey. To, to set his path in a better path. And it's amazing, it says... In verse 22, but the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. It's so amazing. The father created a feast and a celebration. How many times have God created a feast and a celebration? For us as prodigal sons. For us as prodigal fathers. How many times has our sons or our daughters accepted us? When we know we lived a life that rejected them. That didn't want to be a part of them. Why? We were afraid that they were going to turn out like us. And rather than stepping up to the plate. And allowing God to lead us and guide us, we ran from responsibility. We can't run anymore, men of God. Ladies, you can't run either. You have a responsibility just as much as the men do. 
So we see here that he gave him his best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. He gave him a symbol, a signet ring to remind him of who he belonged to. Isn't that ironic that Jesus will marry the church? And through marriage, we know that a ring symbolizes the union of two becoming one. That's interesting that it says a ring on his finger. It also symbolizes relationship. The robe symbolizes the covering of God. God covered him. His father covered him and did not remember his sins anymore. He did away with it. He didn't even remind them of his past. It was as if he didn't even hear what his son said. He automatically went into compassion mode because his love was unconditional. When you see your children acting out, when you see a child doing the wrong thing, hanging out with gang members, doing drugs, going to prison, going to jail, compassion should be your posture. Compassion. I don't care if the person, God forbid, your child murders somebody. Compassion should still be on your heart to be there for that child, despite their wrong. To stand with them and show them, Daddy still is here for you. You still have to suffer the consequences of your actions, but I'm here. Because I'm trying to show you how God is here for you. And how he's been here for me. It's all about a testimony. A father is a testimony of the love of God. That's why I say it's in your DNA. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. It's only so long that God would allow you to run before he captures you. Before he arrests you. And then it says in verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And his time. And they began to be married. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him, Safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have transgressed. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. It is so interesting here. I'll stop right there. It's so interesting here that after they're making merry, the older son is sitting in the field doing his job, working, producing, 
reproducing, developing something greater than himself, keeping and sustaining the name of his father. And he comes out of the field after a long, hard days of work, asking the question, what's going on? Who, 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 what's the celebration about? And he finds out that one of the servants tells him, it's your brother. He's back. He's back, and your father's excited. He's welcomed him back, and he killed the fatted calf on him. He's celebrating him. And the oldest son is like, really? This man tried to defame our family name. He took his inheritance and sat here and went out and squandered it. He left, didn't tell us where he was going. He sat here and went among the world. He came from under the covering of my father. And here it is. I've worked for you all these years and never gone against your will. Always been there. Always been the, the great child. I sat here and made straight A's. I've done my work. I've got my college degree. I've got my master's. I've got my doctor's. I've got the career. I'm making good money. I'm producing. I'm reproducing. I'm dominating in my area and carrying on the family name. And here it is, this old knucklehead of yours, because he ain't my brother, because he betrayed us. He was betrayed. He couldn't understand the love that his father had for his son. And how many times have we felt that way? How many times that we tried to be in our children's lives and tried to teach them the right way, and they've gone the wrong way. But one of our other children are going the right way. And, they, and they're, they're, they're excelling. They're doing right. And we're being so hard on this wayward one. And next thing you know, that one runs away. That one goes to prostitution. Or that one goes to selling drugs and being in gang life. And we don't understand why. We don't understand the process of why. We have to understand that the compassion has to drive us so much so that we even teach our other children about compassion. We teach our other children because what the older brother didn't realize was, had he challenged his younger brother more, had he tried to keep his bro younger brother in line, it could have reinforced the teachings of his father. And showed him a relatable path so that he would not have gone down the wrong path. The second aspect of perspective of it is, we see that the young son gained a new perspective on life by his process. See, his process was not like the older son's process. His process caused him to have to go through the experience process. He had to experience life to learn a lesson. Whereas the young, the older son, he just had to be told what to do, and he did it. So many times I remember in my life where I was told what to do, told how to act, told how to experience life. But in reality, I never really experienced life for myself. I didn't make the choice. Because I was trying to please my father. So it wasn't until I went out and had my own prodigal son experience. 
that I understood this story for the very first time. And I realized it wasn't just about going back to my father and apologizing just to be able to eat and have provision for myself, but rather understanding that my journey was to please my Heavenly Father. I went out my first year of college and messed up. Messed up. Went there, had A's and B's all throughout high school, had a 3.5 GPA. When I came out of high school and went to college, I had a full-ride scholarship. However, my father gave me the luxurious things in life, put me in a uh, uh, apartment. I didn't have to stay in, a, stay in a dormitory. Told me one thing. He said, if you do well this semester and maintain a B average, I will give you a car that you can drive. Whatever car you want, I'll give it to you. Did that really motivate me? No. The reason why it didn't motivate me because I still was not sure of myself. I didn't understand why I was in college. I didn't understand why I was there. The pressure of life had gotten to me. The expectations of my life had gotten to me. What people thought I should be, how people thought I should be preaching and being a motivational speaker and, and doing all these other things, being a news broadcaster. So it was amazing. It was amazing that these things. Okay. So it's amazing that even in that moment, I had to learn to be more about myself and experiencing life. It was difficult for me because suicidal thoughts started coming into my mind. And my dad. And my, and my dad was actually in, okay, we're going to take a break right now, I'm sorry. We're going to go ahead and take a break, I guess, and uh, come back to it. We're almost finished. Go ahead, uh, Brother Paul. Bless you. Bless and we need you. to take a break. Uh, bless you, bless you. Um, yes, you've been ministering so strong from the heart. Um, let's give you an opportunity to, you know, just a little intermission. Uh, breathe, some water, stretch. Um, so we're going to take a five-minute break. Okay, five-minute break. Let's go. Pastor Jeremy? Yes, sir. Amen. Hey, how you doing, sir? Amen. Good. Mm -hmm. He was ministering strong from the heart. Um, just was led via the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, so you can take a break um, as you pour your heart out into us men. Uh, most importantly, Amen. we will stand up and reclaim what, what is rightfully ours. So it's back into your hands. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so this is very dear to my heart, people. Um, again, because I am a father of five, and I see fathers go through so much. Um it also is interesting because I see my relationship with my father sometimes in this story. And a lot of times we as fathers are so, so devoted on being a disciplinarian and holding our children accountable 
But the biggest thing that we can never do is give up on them. We can never give up on them because God will never give up on us. And we see that through Jesus Christ. He helped us when we didn't even know how to help ourselves. And he recognized that we needed a Savior even when we didn't see it. So it's, it's interesting even here, the, the, the second son, the, the older son, is angry in verse 28. He says, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. It's interesting. His father came out of the celebration. He would not allow the older son to tear down his celebration. He's still being a father, even in being there for his older son. He's still being a father to his younger son while he's being a father to his older son. Thank you, God. And so many times, we don't see that about God. We don't see how God is our father to someone else while he's being a father to us. He was shielding his son. He was protecting his son because his older brother was upset. His older brother was so upset so that even a spirit of murder and rage came over him. He was upset. He would not go to the party. He would not go to the celebration. So he had resentment in his heart towards his brother. This is his blood. And he has resentment towards him. And the father had to come and calm him down and teach him a lesson. Teach him a lesson even in his anger. And he said to him, So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours come, came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. So here we see that the oldest son is just perplexed. He's stating his claim. He's stating his accusations of being mistreated unfairly. He said, you never celebrated me. You never said, good job. You never said, great job, son. I want to throw you a dinner. I want to put a ring of signet on your finger. I want to put a coat, the best coat on you. I want to embrace you. He never said that to the older son. And it's just interesting to me how we think we're loving our children appropriately, but we forget they're two different individuals. They're different individuals. I have to learn to love my children different ways. Because different, although they're all my children, they each operate and respond in a different manner. Some of my children I can't spank. Just can't happen. Because they don't respond to discipline in that manner. Now if I take something from them or, act, or tell them to go into the corner and take a time out, then guess what? That works at times. 
if I make them tell me what's happened in their lives, it changes the perspective sometimes. It depends on the child. And here we see that this young man is hurt. He's upset. He doesn't understand. He feels robbed. And he said to him in verse 31, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should, that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. See, the father is still pointing him back to something greater than himself. It's not about being obedient. It's not about being the great son that he was. It was about his brother. We as men have a responsibility to take care of and hold our brothers accountable that are other fathers. Even if they're not a father, you still have a responsibility to hold that man as a mentor through his lifestyle. Because whether you have children or not, you have a legacy that you're leaving on this earth that you will be remembered by. That legacy is dictated by your life. Do you leave a legacy of debt, as I talked before with Debt Shut Up? Or do you leave a legacy of wealth, not just financially, but in character? Leave a wealth of a name that's greater than yourself. Do you leave a relationship that your children have developed on their own to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Salvation is a process. It's a journey. It's an experience. But yet and still, we try to teach it as a creed, a pledge. We try to teach our children how to pledge themselves versus how to be in relationship. The reason why your children don't have great relationships with their spouses or with their persons that they're seeing or having children out of wedlock because you have not taught them right. You got to look at your life and see what you taught them. You got to see the lifestyle that you taught them. Have you driven them away? So much so that they sought love and respect in other ways. You have to ask yourself that as a father. Have I repelled my son or my daughter or have I drawn them to me? Have I taught them how to live a life of faith? Or every time they feel robbed or, or, or angry as this young man is, they want to flare up. They want to get mad. And obviously, it was amazing because even though the father said, I give you all that I have. You have it. You've earned it. You earned it. You worked for me all your life. And you've proven yourself worthy of carrying on my wealth in your life as your own. But right now, we're not focused on that. We, I got to get your focus on what's bigger here. Your brother is back. Your brother's mindset is changed. Your brother is no longer seeking to go to the world. He wants to be back a part of the family. Now I can retrain him. Now I can reprogram him. Now I can remind him of who he is. 
so that when he goes out next time and starts his own empire, his own family, now he knows how to do it correctly. Now he won't squander his money. Now he won't be embarrassed of my name. But he would learn how to identify himself in our brand, in our kingdom that we call ours. He will learn that it's greater than himself. He will learn how to treat his servants. He will learn how to treat his brother. And because his brother was not celebrating, I can imagine, and it doesn't say it in the scripture, but I can imagine that the younger brother is probably scratching his head like, my older brother doesn't care that I'm back? How would it have felt to have the older brother come and welcome him just as much as the father? Can you imagine that? Your children have a relationship is dictated of how you love them and how you respect them and treat them. Siblings want to be together when they see their father in their lives. When they see that their father favors one over the other, it causes problems, even in their relationship. And you've seen so many people across the board. You may be one of them. But so many people across the board that have had issues in relationship with siblings because their father wasn't in their life or their father wasn't consistent or their father treated them a certain way. You know, sometimes some fathers are abusing one and not abusing the other one. And they're questioning in their mind, what did they do different than what I did? Why did I get mistreated but they don't? So we have to ask ourselves these questions and realize that God's grace is sufficient for all of us. And if we would learn to love and respect and celebrate each other, then God can do his perfect work in us and allow us to be a testimony. Had that brother been praying for him just as much as his father was praying for them, just as much as his father was going to the roadside, waiting for him to come back home, believing by faith, he was a man of faith. That's the only way he could have been called an established man. That's the only way he could have been called that because also certain man means a transparent man. So I can imagine that these young men saw their father for what he really was. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't share all of his trials and tribulations. Maybe he didn't share all of what he went through. And maybe that's the problem with us as men. We feel like we have this ego of not sharing or being transparent among each other. That's what makes us relatable. That's what makes us human beings. It's not tough for you to sit here and say, I don't have a problem, when you know you're about to be kicked out of your house. It's not tough to sit here and say, I need some food. I need some help. Do you have a job? Do you have an opportunity to, to allow me to help provide for my family? How many times in our churches, in our communities, do we talk to one another as brothers? Do we just nod our heads and say, what's up, bro? Or do we really engage with, that young, with that, those men? Do we really talk about our issues? If child support is a challenge for you, as it is for me, let's talk about it. Let's see what's working for you and what's working for me. 
What's not working for you? What's not working for me? If you're having trouble knowing what to talk to your child about and they're a teenager, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Talk to somebody that does have a teenager that had issues where their teenager got pregnant or had a child out of wedlock. Let's talk to those people. Let's get some wisdom and some understanding on the subject matter so that it can make us better. Is it, does it mean it's going to happen that exact way? No, it doesn't. But it gives you a little bit of better perspective on the situation so that you can make a responsible choice. I leave you with this. Paul talks about being a man. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's an order to that thing. There's a process that a man understands. That was a child's explanation. He spoke first, got an understanding, and then thought about what he said. That's wrong. That's a reaction. That's reacting out of your emotions. A real man acts out of his spirit. He responds to a situation. He thinks first, gets an understanding, and then he speaks. We have to be those types of men. where we think first, get an understanding, and then speak. If it takes us thinking first, talking to somebody else and getting a response, understanding of what we're going to say before we say it. We need to do that. That's what understanding means. You're getting a better perspective on the situation before you speak out of your mouth. Because once you release those words into the atmosphere, it's hard to get them back, especially for a child. A child remembers words. A child remembers what you don't do. They don't remember the money. That's why child support will never be enough for a child. Because they never know about the money. What they remember is how many times you were there for them. How many recitals you were there for them. Did you ever take them to the park and throw with them? Did you ever do something with them? Did you buy them ice cream? Did you ever talk to them as a man? When you were going through puberty changes. When you were liking girls. When you were finding yourself in compromising situations where you were smoking weed or people trying to get you to join a game, did you talk to them about that? Or are you so busy at work or so busy in your own life of chasing tail and women that you don't even realize that your son needs you, that your daughter needs to be affirmed in who she is as a woman by a, a real man of God? That just saying she's beautiful is not enough for her to open her legs. But rather for her to understand that my father has always seen me as a beautiful queen, not a princess. I am not a spoiled brat. That's what princess means. So father, stop calling your children princess and prince. They're kings and queens. They're more than that. A queen operates in her authority. She knows who she is. A king understands who he is and understands what he rules and does it wisely. With understanding and confidence. That's what we're supposed to be building in our young people. That's what we're supposed to be building in this next generation. Let's bridge the gap. 
It doesn't matter the shortcomings that you've had. It doesn't matter that you don't have a college degree. It doesn't matter that you don't have a high school diploma. It doesn't matter that you've been in prison for most of your life. Start now. Today is the rest. It's the start of the rest of your life. It's the beginning of the rest of your life. You can start today. It's a choice that you make. In closing, I want to encourage you, as not only men but women as well, to train, equip, and launch the next generation. Recognize the gifts, talents, abilities in your young people. And it doesn't have to just be your child. It can be those that are around you, those that you come in contact with, your nephews, your nieces, your younger brothers and sisters. They need to hear you. They need to hear. They need to hear what you're doing. They need to hear who you are. They need to hear that they need to hear who you are. They need to hear your shortcomings. They need to hear what you've overcome, what you dealt with. Because those very same issues that you have dealt with in the past may be the very same issues that they're dealing with on a larger scale. And they might not be able to handle it very well. But you speaking to them and relating to them and sharing that information with them may detour them from going down a pathway that you did and going to a better path. Embracing their process rather than going in a cycle like you did. Stop thinking so much of yourself and start thinking of the bigger picture, which is your legacy. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you today to understand who's your father. The greatest father of all time, of all eternity, is God the Father. He's shown you. He's given you the blueprint. So you can never say you've never seen it done right. You can never say you haven't seen it done right. He showed it. He didn't understand his creation anymore. So he came in the flesh as Jesus Christ. So that he could get to understand his creation again. And once he understood how much they needed him, he died for them. And then gave them back what was rightfully theirs. That's what a real father does. A father lays down his life for his children. He lives it before them. Each and every day of his life. So I'm challenging you as I challenge myself. To be better men. To be better fathers. Just as our father. Who y'all already know is our father through Calvary's DNA test. And before I go, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to declare some things over your life. And we're going to go from there. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us at our point of need. We thank you, Lord, that although we've all gone through this process, or we're on our way of going through this process, or we're presently in this process, we ask, God, that you give us the strength, give us the faith, the endurance that we need to recognize that we need to change our mindset, change our perspective, realize who you are and who we really represent. For you marked us before the foundation of the earth. You chose us. You appointed us to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. To be a nation set apart just for you. 
that we will proclaim the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into the marvelous light. You allowed us to have a testimony, one of the greatest gifts that we've ever had to do. But in order to have a testimony, you showed us how we have to embrace the process. Help us as men of God to embrace the process. Help us as parents to embrace the process. Help us as young people to embrace the process. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for you meeting us at our point of need. Anybody that's struggling to pay child support, anybody that's struggling to be there for their children in time, which is the most precious asset on the face of this planet, help them, Lord, to make better decisions. Help them, Lord, not to condemn themselves, but to do better the next opportunity they get. For that's the only thing they have control over. To learn from their experiences. To know you in a better way. And to gain a better relationship with you. Those that don't know who you are. Allow them to have this experience with themselves. Allow for them to hear what's been shared. As far as the testimonies both in the Bible as well as in my life. Of how they can make it. How though the, the states are stacked against them. They still can make it. And we glorify your name for it. Get all the glory and honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you can follow us on March Generation Outreach on Facebook. We're on every day at 7 o'clock, between 7 and 7.30. We're on the air, uh, Facebook Live. Also, we have our Mark-Apparel, Mark-Apparel, that's M-A-R-K-E-D-Apparel, Com. You can visit our website and get some great apparel, great gear to be able to represent the cause of Christ and be an inspiration to others. Be the brand. Be marked to be a firebrand chosen to change the world. We love you. I appreciate this opportunity, Brother Paul. And it's back to you, sir. Bless you. Bless you. Again, thank you um, so much. And also want to give recognition to your uh, beautiful wife, prophetess. Um, for amen, amen, amen. I give glory to God to my wife. I'm sorry, I do give glory to God for my wife. I mean, she's been my support system. I couldn't ask for a greater woman in my life, uh, prophetess Jaquetta Jackson. And she's also on the broadcast with me every morning. So please, please tune in, support, like, share. Uh, and uh, we're just excited that you with you partnering with us as well. Amen. Amen. The test results are in. Cavalier's <laughs> DNA test proves God is my father. Be blessed. Amen.